Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal sky looks dark with not a ray of light we're tossed and driven on no human help in sight but there is one in heaven who knows our deepest care let Jesus solve your problem just go to him in
Well, let's take our Bibles today, turn over the book of Hebrews again as we continue in our study. It'll be the last week of this particular study, Biblical Faith, Biblical Faith. And of course, we've been dealing with it for the last two weeks and now this being our final week, Biblical Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 is where we'll start and use as a springboard here. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, It is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Once again, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Again, we've talked about a number of mighty men and women throughout the, the, the Bible. We've talked about the miraculous Uh, supernatural things that God has done in and through their lives. We we can't help but uh, remember things like that Red Sea or, as we mentioned before, the Assyrian army being completely and totally annihilated without one shot being fired, so to speak. We think about uh, just uh, how God helped Noah in building an ark. And by faith, he, for 120 years, did just that. Until God finally closed the door of that ark, sent rain, and he and his family safely landed on the other side. We are certainly thankful for women like Esther who put herself in harm's way in order to um, save herself and her people. And we watched how God miraculously worked in lives and in nations throughout the Old Testament and also in the New. And so we began this series, Biblical Faith. And we started it by talking first and foremost about this aspect of um, examining biblical faith. What indeed was it? In order to really uh, apply it to our life and to exercise it, we said we're going to have to understand what it is. So we examined biblical faith. And we said that the foundation of biblical faith, well, that was the reality of God, that He is real. We said the function of biblical faith. We said provides us with a relationship with God. And finally, the fruit of biblical faith is that rest that comes as a result of that relationship that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The following week, we started talking about not just uh, examining, but we talked about <clears throat> some other aspects of the, 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 the faith. And uh, we, we, we talked about the fact that we need to define biblical faith and where to, that to flourishing biblical faith and functioning biblical faith. And we talked about all those things last week as we dealt with uh, those issues. And so today we want to pick right back up. We want to address this topic, extending biblical faith, extending biblical faith. And so we're going to talk about three areas of extending biblical faith. And again, uh, you know, we, we certainly want the faith to be extended. And we're going to explain that and talk about it just a little bit from three aspects today. Before we get started, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll move along quickly this morning. Father, we thank you for another opportunity that we have to be here today. Lord, we are grateful people. We can't thank you enough for giving us the ability to be here, the, the, the health to be here, the, uh, the stamina, the strength to be here. But, Lord, we are grateful that we are your children if indeed we've trusted and received Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, Lord, today we're asking you to meet with us in a very unique way, a very special way. Holy Spirit of God, we realize and understand that it will have done done no good whatsoever to meet with a mere man. We need to meet with you, the Master. So, God of heaven, may you fill me with your spirit. May I be just simply your mouthpiece today. Stand in my shoes and allow me, Father, just to, Father, proclaim your word with supernatural unction. Father, may the Spirit of God work through and in this message. And, Father, may He work in each life. Now, Father, may you anoint every listening ear that they may hear with spiritual ears. 
Well, thank you. God, we realize that this cannot be done without you and your power. So, Lord, we commit it into your hands even now, asking you to do a mighty work in each life. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So as we talk about this aspect of extending biblical faith, I mean, we're going to notice three different areas. Number one, we want to talk about featuring biblical faith, featuring biblical faith. They want to talk about furthering biblical faith and finally fortifying biblical faith. So let's talk about featuring biblical faith for just a moment. When we think about featuring something, we could talk about the feature back in uh, an NFL offense. He's the feature back of this particular team. It means that he's out front. He's the one who's showcased on a regular basis. He's the feature back. And so we're talking about featuring or showcasing or putting out front the biblical faith, getting it out there where the people are, showing it off. So we could say featuring biblical faith is to show it, to show it. And uh, God would have us display our faith. That's just a reality of life. He wants us to display it. Every time we exercise our faith, it is on display for the world to see. Every single time we exercise our faith, the world has a, a front row seat of seeing faith. And so when others see our faith, it is naturally going to impact their lives. That's just the reality of it. Anytime you showcase your faith, anytime you exercise your faith, it's going to impact lives. And that's why it is so absolutely necessary that we don't just talk about our faith, but that we live our faith. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 is a wonderful passage. And of course, dealing with Timothy and Paul, his, his mentor, if you will, his father in the faith, uh, some have called him because he calls him his son in the faith. He, he says to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now, he's saying to, to Timothy, you be an example of the believers. When someone looks at you, when someone watches you, when someone evaluates your life, it ought to be a perfect example of what a believer ought to be. And may I say today that although the Apostle Paul made that claim and, and that instruction to Timothy, he makes it to you and I today as well. And the reality is, is that everyone at our work, at home, in school, or wherever we might be in life, every time they look at us, every time they observe our life, every time they, they take evaluation of our, our actions and our attitudes, it ought to be an example of what a believer ought to be. What kind of example are you in the Word? What kind of example are you in Word even? Or in your speech? What kind of example are you when it comes to your lifestyle? Is it an example of the believers? Does it mirror what God says a believer ought to be? Would someone be able to say, now that is what a Christian ought to be right there when they see your life? I mean, as an example, or, uh, how's your example on your outlook of life? Are you always negative, critical, cynical? Or are you finding something to be positive about, something to be excited about, something to be hopeful about? A believer shouldn't always be living with his chin dragging the ground. I understand there are difficult times, and I know there are hardships, and there, there are hard times, but may I say that's not how we ought to live our life. That should be the exception, not the rule. <clears throat> how is your example concerning life and others? How do you deal with people? I mean, what's your example in your morality, in your purity, in holiness? Those things determine how well you feature biblical faith. 
You're putting it out there for display. You're putting it out there on display every time you live. Every time you give. Every time you talk. Every time you make, take an action. People are watching. Extending biblical faith. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Again, there's an, there's an element here of works that ought to be manifest. You say, well, God, all he cares about is my heart. Well, then how's going to he say, so let your light, let your light so shine before men that they may see. They may see. They may see. There's something to seeing things. Uh, you know, uh, the world will say seeing is what? Believing. Now, listen, we know that we don't have to see God to believe. However, the unbeliever does not understand that, nor can they, under, nor can they receive it, nor can they really draw to it like we do. We, we understand by faith that there is a God in heaven, by faith that we're to live our life separated, sanctified, holy unto God. We understand a lot of things that the world doesn't because we have a book that teaches us some things in the spirit that drives home these truths. However, the world only sees to believe. Let me tell you something. If you don't live the Christian life, then you are giving a bad illustration example of what the Christian ought to be or is. People look at your life and they say, now that's what a Christian is then, I guess. So a Christian can do this and a Christian can do that and a Christian can go here and a Christian can go there and a Christian can talk like that and a Christian can think like that and a Christian can vote like that and a Christian can have these kind of attitudes. Wait a second. Let me tell you, your life is on display whether you like it or not. And the reality is today as believers that we need to understand that this biblical faith that we possess as a result of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is something that is to be extended to others. And it is whether we like it or not. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 through 11, we talk about the apostle Paul. In one case, he's talking to Timothy, his son in the faith. Now all of a sudden, we're going to see him making a statement concerning his own life here. He said, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Take your Bible, look there, would you please? 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Amen. You say, why should I? Well, let me tell you, let me do it this way. When you were in a class, say at the, the college or at the high school level, and you, you went to your math class, did the teacher expect you to bring your book? Yeah. I can't understand why. <laughs> Maybe because what was in the book is what you're going to be learning. Right. I'm just saying we're in church, so what book do we use? The Bible. It's important if you're going to come, we're going to learn something. We need the Bible. Why? Because in the long run, my words mean absolutely nothing. His word is the only thing that will change your life. <clears throat> Notice what he says. Although we will quote a number of scriptures along the way, the fact is, is that the word of God is absolutely necessary. It's important that we carry it, bring it, use it. Matthew, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11. Notice what the Bible says. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. The Apostle Paul again, speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy and to the people there, he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now I want to focus primarily on that first verse there. He says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Listen, uh, he says, you've fully known it. It's quite obvious where, where I stand. It's no secret. And the truth is today as believers, you know, we shouldn't have to constantly explain where we stand on issues to those who are familiar with us. You really shouldn't have to. 
you really shouldn't have to tell people where you stand on abortion all the time. Those that know you. Everybody should know where you stand on that issue. If you know them at all, you've discussed it probably. They ought to know where you stand. It's not some secret, folks. We still don't believe murder's right, according to the Word of God. So it says, well, I don't agree that it's murder. Well, then read the Bible, and we'll go ahead and take God's opinion on it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We shouldn't, you don't have to, listen, nobody, you shouldn't have to guess where you stand on sodomy. Are you kidding me? I wonder what he thinks about that. I mean, it's a real issue. I wonder what he thinks about this topic. I just read an article about this over here. I wonder where he stands on that. I wonder where he lands on this issue. Are you kidding me? You're a child of God. You've been living around these people for how long? It should be obvious where you stand. Nobody should have to ask. You don't need to ask him where he stands. I know where he stands. There's no doubt about it. He's going to stand right where God stands on it. You get where I'm going with this a little bit? I'm just saying, I'm not saying, listen, uh, you know, you can go ahead and believe whatever you want about people that love the Word of God, people that love God. You can go ahead and say that they're haters, and you can go ahead and say that they have no, no, no uh, consideration for others' feelings. You can say whatever you want. That's all a lie. Amen. That's all a lie. You know what the best people in the world are those that really believe this book and live by it? Do you realize that? We're not talking about an apostate church that murdered millions through the years. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what Christianity is, folks. We're talking about a Christianity that follows the New Testament. We're not like the Muslims that go around, we get all bent out of shape and ticked off because somebody says something bad about our, our leader, we're going to go ahead and murder him or threaten to kill him. We don't do stuff like that. And I'm not saying all Muslims do, but there's a faction of Muslims that does. And if you call yourself a child of God and you even breathe any of that trash, then listen, you ain't following God's word. You have nothing to do with what biblical Christianity is all about. There's no, there's no violent bone in the body of a believer. The only thing a believer will fight for is the Word of God and for his family. He'll fight for his country too if he has to because of the freedom to exercise the Word of God. But let me tell you something. He doesn't go around forcing people to believe what he wants and what he believes. He doesn't expect everybody to believe the way he believes God exists, lives, or asks us, asks us to live. I, I don't understand stuff like that. I get a little fed up with people trying to blow, put us in to this radical element today. We're not a radical group. We are a loving group. We love people. We care about people. And let me tell you something. At your work and at your school and at your place of business, there ought to be those that know you and can say, I know where he stands, but I also know his patience. I also know his love. I also know that he cares about people. You may be settled on some issues, but let me tell you something. There ought to be compassion in your heart. And it ought to be very evident to people. When there's a need, it ought to be the child of God stepping up and saying, well, I don't necessarily agree with the lifestyle, but I can certainly try to be an encouragement and a help. Yet I'm saying that you feed the, the, the sin. I'm not saying that you buy the alcohol. I'm not saying that you buy the drugs. I'm not saying that you do that. I'm just saying when there's a legitimate need, guess who's standing there to help out? Child, children of God are. And it ought to be that way. They ought to know we love people just like Jesus loved people. These folks knew all too well what was important to the Apostle Paul. He said, hey, listen, thou hast fully known my doctrine. They knew exactly what determined the course of his life. They, they knew how passionate he was toward Christ. They knew how passionate he was to those in need. I mean, his love for others and his patience in dealing with them was without question, folks, to anybody that truly looked at his life and not just his doctrine. Hey, listen, you, we, we, we teach a doctrine that Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. You know what people say about that? Oh, well, you're closed-minded. You think you're the only one that's right. No, it has nothing to do with what I think. I'm just basing it on the book, the Word of God. That's all I'm doing. I'm just taking the position that God takes on this issue. Now, listen, I'm not picking a fight with you. If you don't agree with me, so be it. America says you can have a differing opinion. Praise God for that freedom in America. 
I'm not going to be upset with you in that sense. I may be praying for you, but I wouldn't be mad at you and want to hurt you for not believing the way I feel. But I know what the book says, and for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And everybody's going to know where we stand on that. The Apostle Paul, he featured biblical faith. He put it out front, right where everybody could see it. Nobody had to question or ask where he believed or where he stood. It was right there. Just like it was in black and white in the book, it was just right there in front of them in real life. And you know what? That's how our lives ought to be. No one ought to be trying to guess what you, what you believe or where you stand on all the issues. Folks, listen, I, I understand you, you go to a new job. It's going to take a while to get to know some people. And issues will pop up along the way. And before you know it, someone's going to ask your opinion on things. And you're going to be as kind as you can possibly be. But let me tell you, if you're a child of God, you cannot agree with the fool in his folly. You can't try to make them believe that somehow you're sympathetic to that. Oh, yeah, well, I understand. Yeah, you know, God, he loves everybody anyway. Why would you say something like that when you know what the real issue is or the question is? They're wondering, where do you really stand on the issues? Come right out and say, listen, if you don't receive and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you don't personally ask him to come into your life, you will perish. They need to know what God's Word says. They don't need you to smooth it over. They don't need you to somehow provide this platform by which we're all one in the Lord. Everybody's God's child. That's not biblical. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So no faith in Christ. Not faith in God. Faith in Christ Jesus who is God. Someone says, well, I believe in God. That does not mean, that doesn't settle one issue in this area. Oh, I believe in God. (laughs) That doesn't mean they're saved. That doesn't mean they're on their way to heaven. The devils believe in God and tremble. The devil even believes there's a God, but that doesn't mean he's going to heaven. It's got to be Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who died, was buried, and rose again the third day. Talking about featuring biblical faith. Take a stand. Be who you really are, a child of God. Don't be ashamed of being a child of God. There's nothing wrong with that. It may not be popular politically, but it is definitely popular in eternity. So like the Apostle Paul, we're to feature our biblical faith. Put it out front. Keep it in the public eye. Place it in plain view. You say, boy, that would put me in an awkward position at work. Well, there's limits what you can do at work. I understand that. But you know what? What about all those souls? Does it even matter where they spend eternity then? All I care about is my job. All I care about is my family. All I care about is what is best for me. All I care about is that everybody likes me. All I care about is that I get the next promotion. If they thought I was a Christian and actually had some real, real beliefs and that I was a little narrow-minded like the Bible teaches, they may not want me to be their next boss. Guess what? Maybe God will bless you by giving you a better job. Maybe God will bless you even by giving you a little bit of opportunity to win some souls to Christ. Maybe God will give you an opportunity maybe to end up leaving there and starting your own business and making millions or something. Get on the shark tank or something. I'm trying to figure out an idea so I can get on there. I'm not sure which shark I really want to team up with yet, though. I like it, though. I like that shark tank. My wife hates it. But I like money that much. See, I, I like it. I like the idea of maybe having millions. I, I'd love to be able to drop a mill right now and say, right over that carousel. I'd do it in a minute. Listen, I mean this. I mean this all in my heart. If I got a million dollars today, I'd drop it right over there. I wouldn't spend a dime of it on me. I would. I wouldn't care. I've done that my whole life with things. I, that doesn't matter to me. I never had the million anyway, so it wouldn't hurt me, right? Now the IRS would say, hey, wait, you've got to watch it now, right? 
Because if I said, if somebody gave me a million, I'd, I'd give the whole million over there. I can't do that because the IRS would take 70% of it. So now I've got to come up with 700 grand that I wasn't originally, you know, in order not to be a liar. So whatever's left after the IRS gets their mitts on it, then that's what I'll get. Furthering biblical faith. Furthering biblical faith, sharing, and we kind of talk about sharing it now. We just thought we did, right? We extended it a little bit there, put it out there, putting it out front for the world to see. But then we're going to talk about furthering biblical faith, furthering it. Now, when we talk about furthering it, we're not just showing it, but we're going to share it now. We're not just showing the faith, but we're going to share the faith. We're not just featuring it, putting it out front. We're going to further it. We're going to expand it in a sense. Well, when we feature our faith, we're building a platform by which to further it now. Now, the truth is that we can be no, there can be no real authority in our message unless we are effectively living the life. And yet, now see, this is where it gets complicated because sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm just being a good person. I've, I'm living the Christian life. I'm, I'm, I don't cuss and I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with those that do and all that good stuff and... But wait a second, um, that, that's featuring the faith. But now if we're going to literally further it, you have to use this. You have to use your tongue. You have to. Someone says, no, I don't. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. We have to vocalize some things. No one accidentally stumbles across the gospel. Now, every once in a while, somebody, you know, what must I do to be saved? And you're like, serious? Serious. You you asking me that? But let's face it, that doesn't happen too often. I don't know. I've been doing this a long time, and I honestly have not had that happen more than a couple times that I can at least kind of remember. I know... I think at least once or twice. Outside of that, I can't really say it's happened a whole bunch. It seems like every other time it's happened, I've had to say something. What's the Bible say then? Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who they have not seen? What? Oh, I read that wrong, didn't I? Let's see what he says. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Heard. Last time I checked when I go like this. You didn't hear that. You saw that. Now, you probably did hear it because I'm a little bit overweight right now. But, but the fact is, is that if I was moonwalking, you couldn't have heard that. You'd have seen it. You wouldn't have heard it, right? Maybe I'll bust one of those out in a moment. Some of you just don't have, know how to have a good time, okay? So anyway, <clears throat> I'm not talking about moonwalk. I'm talking about just laughing for a change, would you? Lighten up a little bit, okay? But uh, how shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for as I said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There you go. So listen, we won't argue the fact that hearing is a major part of the gospel being furthered then. In order for the gospel to be shared, it must be spoken. It must be vocalized. 
It's not enough just to live the life, although that's a good thing. That is the platform by which we now have authority to speak. If there is no authority to speak, then it does no good to speak. And may I say that when you're sitting next to somebody in a bar with a beer in your hand, you may be able to make an inroad to some degree with them. But let me tell you, you really want God in that mess. You can't possibly be the exact same thing you're trying to witness to. There has to be something unique about your life that provides a platform so that what you say has some authority. That's ridiculous. You're drunk in a bar and you're going to tell people that they need Jesus. That makes no sense. And yet it happens more than you would realize. Do you know that I know so many drug addicts? I know so many of them that are some of the best Christians you've ever met in your life. At least in their own eyes. In their own, oh, I love the Lord. And man, I'll tell you, I just struggle with this. This is just a battle for me. But, but God knows my heart. And they're talking to people about God sometimes. Man, I mean, they're talking about Him. But their life is not providing a platform. And people, it goes right in one ear and out the other. Do I, do I doubt that they love the Lord? I don't know. Somebody says, you can't possibly be a drug addict and be on your way to heaven. Well, you believe what you want and I'll believe what the Bible teaches. Okay? I, I think there are people like that that love Jesus. I have no doubt. But it doesn't do any good for them to go around witnessing about it because there's no real platform for which they're going to speak. Who's going to listen to them? Because their life's a mess. And may I say that unless our life is grounded and, and it's built on a foundation and we're living the life that we ought to be living, then our family and our friends are going to have a hard time listening to us. That's all. But we, if we're going to truly further the faith, though, biblical faith, that is, we must share it and we must vocalize it. What are some areas we need to vocalize? Well, first of all, we need to vocalize creation. I, I'm confident and I am convinced that the battleground is fought in Genesis 1-1 now. I mean, we are in a a culture and a society that does not believe in God anymore. An anti-God, anti-Christ culture and society. The reality is is that, for the most part, we are raising a generation of atheists. Let me tell you something. That's a problem, folks. And, you know, in order to help people understand that there's more to life than just being a a, a biological creature that is is directed and and totally... uh, uh, ruled by their, their emotions, their feelings, and their physical desires and needs. We need to take them back to Genesis and say, there is a God that created all things. And He created you. And therefore, what the book says is true. This is a love letter from Him. And may I say today that we have to vocalize creation. We need to vocalize condemnation. The Bible says that we're already condemned, according to Romans, uh, excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. That we're condemned already. Why? Because of our sin. We're born into sin. We'll live in sin and die in sin. The world needs to know that they're sinners by birth, not just by their actions. It's not just what we do. More than that, it is who we are that's the problem. We need to vocalize conversion then. Since there is a creator and he demands holiness and he demands righteousness because there is condemnation against sin, then we must be forgiven. We need literally to be converted from our sinful state to a saved state. We need to vocalize that. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People need to know that. And finally, consecration. That we as believers are to be separated from the world. That we are to be, live our lives distinct from the world. That we ought to be consecrated to Christ. We are to give our heart, our life, our all to Him. 
These are things that need to be focalized. So we see, first of all, this extending biblical faith, that we're to feature biblical faith, we're to further the biblical faith, and finally, we're to fortify biblical faith. Fortify. That means to strengthen it. To strengthen it. Again, we, we've already discussed the featuring biblical faith. Show it. Furthering biblical faith. Share it. And now we fortify biblical faith. Strengthen it. As we feature and further our faith, we are, in essence, fortifying it. In the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible simply says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And, and we've discussed this in past messages, but we talked about this aspect of contending. Its root meaning is to strive or to strive against, to struggle in opposition. As it's used here in the book of Jude, it's to strive or to use earnest efforts to obtain, to defend, or to preserve. And so we are to do our very best put forth our greatest effort to obtain the faith, to defend the faith, to preserve it. That implies that there's a constant battle raging. There's nothing easy about it. But if we're going to obtain it, defend it, and preserve it, we're going to have to strive. It's going to take some effort. And you know, one of the greatest things we can do, truly and honestly, is to, is to, to, to live the faith. I mean... The most pressing need in Christianity today is for the faith today or to have a genuine walk with the Lord. That's the, that's the real pressing need. You know, well, we need better methods. No, we need better men. Right? We need some character. We need some men and women that will actually follow through with their commitment to Christ. It will actually live the life that they received and accepted when they placed Jesus in their life. I mean, I mean, that's what's the pressing need today. We never effectively fortify the faith until we first further it. So see, to further it, I have to share it. But in order to share it, I have to show it. So if we're ever going to strengthen and fortify the faith, if we're ever going to put it in a position where it continues, where when I die and I leave this world, that it will still be in place and continue in the lives of my family, my friends and loved ones, where the church itself will still continue to reach out and win souls and baptize believers and raise them and strengthen them in the, the word of God and exhort them in Jesus Christ. If that's going to continue, we must fortify the faith. But we cannot fortify the faith Till we first show it. And then we share it. We lose those two elements. There is no faith. It ceases to exist as we understand it and know it. Someone says, it's not my job to, to uh, battle or to you know, make the faith continue. That's God's business. Well, will he find faith when he comes back? Will he find faith? You say, well, no, he's not going to find much. And let me tell you, if he comes back and he doesn't find faith, why will that be? Because we haven't what? Showed it in our life. We didn't put it on. We didn't feature it the way it should have been featured. And, there, and then we, we were afraid to, to, to share it because if we're not really willing to live it, we're certainly not going to share it. 
and all of a sudden now, it's not going to be strengthened. It's not going to be secured. It's not going to be lasting. It won't be here when he returns, and our children won't be in churches when he returns, and our, our culture will be damned to hell without hope because we've abandoned the faith. We may have it, but they won't. There's a real need to continually strengthen and build up the faith. You know, the enemy is constantly trying to tear it down, trying to wreck it, ruin it. He uses a number of tactics to do that. But let me just give you a couple very, very quickly. Number one, he'll cast doubt into the minds of the saved and lost alike. He'll cast doubt in your mind. Start to get you to doubt things. Turn, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 4. If you're keeping track, I have half a page of notes. I've already been through two and a half. What's that tell you about time? Absolutely nothing, because that's the longest part of the message. No, I'm joking. But anyway, no, we're almost done, really. So bear with me, would you please? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Isn't that interesting? Do you know what's happened? There's been some doubt sowed in the minds of some people. And may I say today that it's not just doubt sowed in the minds of believers, but unfortunately, unbelievers, but unfortunately it has reached the, the church house. Do you know, if I, we could take the church and we could across the board do a um, study or uh, some kind of survey on how many believe there's a literal hell, you'd be amazed how few believers truly believe in a literal hell today. Or those that profess to be believers at least. If you would take those same churches and you would ask, who believes in a literal virgin birth that Mary had no relation prior to uh, Jesus being born? You'd be surprised how many would say, well, that's questionable. What I'm saying to you is that the devil has put doubt in our minds about very cardinal doctrines, very important issues in the Word of God that distinguish us and distinguish us to Christ and before the world. I mean, there are issues that must be addressed. And the fact is, is that the devil has sowed doubt in the minds of both the lost and the saved. Sadly enough, if we would ask people, who believes that Jesus Christ could come any moment? And I'm talking about churches that profess to be Christian. And I'm talking about Christian by way of faith in Christ. You might be surprised how few truly believe that reality. You'd be surprised. Because the devil, once again, has cast doubt in the minds of both the lost and the saved. Let me tell you, the devil sows doubt in our minds today, and this church closes up. Then let me tell you something. There's somebody that's going to be lost in their sin, die, and go to hell because we're not here. So he says, well, it's not just our, it's God's problem and God would raise up another ministry. Yeah, well, I've watched, I've, I've watched as I've read through history. I didn't watch it. I've read it and I've heard that there were nations that used to be Christian that are no longer Christian. They are no longer have any, any similitude to Christianity even. Why? Because somebody started doubting and as a result passed that down to their children and their children's children and pretty soon there were no churches and no faith. Not only will he sow seeds of doubt in the minds of the saved and the lost like, but last, he will sow seeds of deception, discouragement, and division within the hearts of the brethren. In 2 Peter, again, chapter 2, chapter before, verses 1 through 3, it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, 
even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. What kind of heresies? In church, you're allowed to say that, children. It's in the Bible. That's not a cuss word, okay? Not when you say it according to the Bible. It's not a cuss word. Now, if you're saying things like that outside of church and you're not using it, referencing the Word of God, then yeah, that's, that's something you shouldn't be saying. Your parents ought to wash your mouth out with soap, put a, little bit of, put a little bit of vinegar in your mouth, maybe sprinkle a little bit of pepper on your tongue. You say, you wouldn't do that. Moving on. For there were false prophets among the, also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Let's just say we kept the soap people in business for a while. But anyway, <clears throat> no, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Isn't that sad, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Hey, wait a second. The way of truth. Who is the way? Jesus. He'll be evil spoken of. Do you know in our culture right now, he's being evil spoken of. Some unfortunate Christians ashamed to even speak of him because he's, un- he's evil spoken of. Isn't that sad? And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. <laughs> Whose judgment now of a long time lingered not and their damnation slumbered not. But I'm telling you what, the devil's going to use false teachers even to sow seeds of doubt in the minds of believers even. It's going to happen in the church house. We've, we've got to understand that we need to fortify the faith. We need to strengthen it. We ought to stand more firm than ever in this dispensation and age in which we live. Not begin to give ground, but to literally hold the ground and not give up or give in. We must feature the faith. That means to show it. We must further the faith. Share it. We must fortify the faith. Strengthen it. And that's the duty of every believer this morning. Let me ask you. What would others consider your main feature today? If I went and I went to work today and said, what do you know him by? I mean, what stands out in your mind about that guy right there, that gal right there? What's their main feature? What really stands out? That, that makes it a little different now, doesn't it? Huh. Oh, he's, he's the clown, man. He says crazy stuff all the time. We laugh all the time. Okay. So you're a comic. Oh, he, he's, he's the harsh boss we've got. He's, he's hard-nosed. Oh, so you're known as being hard-nosed. Oh, he's no nonsense. Oh, no nonsense. That's your main feature. But you, you get where I'm going with this? Wouldn't it be something if they said, he's that Bible believer. He's a child of God. He's the Christian. He's that guy that witnesses to all the guys at work. He's the guy that passes out tracts. He's the guy who, who takes a stand on biblical issues. That's the gal he, she is. That's the guy he is. His main characteristic feature is that he loves the Lord. He's a church-going man. He's a moral person. She's a moral person. Do you get where I'm going with this? 
What are we really displaying? Is it your faith that's truly being featured? Do you have a desire to further the faith? You want to further it? You want others to come to Christ? You want others to be children of God? You want others to escape hell? If that's the case, what steps do you take to do that? What steps are you personally taking to do that? And finally, are you concerned about whether your faith will be passed down to the next generation or not? I mean, do you really stand against evil and stand for right so that your children, your grandchildren, and others recognize there is a difference between how the world stands or where they stand and where you as a Bible believer, as a child of God, stands? God, help us today. God, help us to feature the faith, to further it, and to fortify it. And today, maybe you don't even know Christ as your Savior and Lord. You know... He's the easiest person in the world to get to know because He, more than anyone, wants to meet you. You walk in this room today, you may feel a little bit like you're isolated if you're a visitor. But see, if you're a visitor to Christ, He doesn't wait for you to make the move. He's already made the move. He's waiting there. He's like, come on. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I love you. I died for you. I paid for your sin. Won't you trust me? Won't you receive me? Won't you allow me to pay the penalty for your sin? I'll gladly do it. I've already hung on the cross. Now I just need to apply my blood to your account. Won't you let me do that? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? But in order to do that, you have to submit to His will. You're going to have to agree with Him that He is God in flesh, that He rose again the third day, You've got to agree to say, Lord, now you are on the throne of my life. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And I trust you alone and only you to get me there, forgive my sin, and to make me your child. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us now in this few moments of invitation. And Lord, just help us, we pray. We desperately need you. And we'll thank you, Father, for what you'll accomplish. And Lord, in our midst today, there may be those that do not know 100% for sure heaven's their home. They possibly have never trusted and received the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Oh, they believe in a Savior. They believe in God. But they haven't personally invited Him, the Lord Jesus, to forgive them, to save them, to come into their life. They may have just generally said, Oh, I don't want to go to hell. Save me. But no, they need to ask you, Lord Jesus, because you're the Savior. God, help them, Father, to come to you, to receive you and accept you, to avoid the consequences of sin, and to gain heaven as their eternal home. And Father, for the believer today, help us, Lord, to be bold, to feature, to further, and to fortify the faith. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking. We're just going to let the music play today. Maybe God spoke to your heart about something. Maybe at work you realize that there's a need to maybe feature your faith a little more. Maybe at school you found yourself hiding in the shadows a little bit fearful that someone might recognize you as a child of God or faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, one day, if you don't take a stand now, one day you'll look back on those years and say, there are all those people that I could have shared the gospel with and I feel as though I let them all down. Let me tell you, you will feel that way as you get it right with God down the road. Don't don't wait till later. Just 
do it now. Take your place. Stand and take your place as a child of God. Show the faith. Share the faith. And in doing so, you'll strengthen the faith for the next generation. We make the mistake of thinking somehow that a generation will be saved by a man or a preacher or a movement. God's worried about individuals. As individual believers take their stand, that's when the differences are truly made.